Welcome to the East Main Media Podcast, a series of conversations featuring leaders in a variety of subjects, including business, politics, media, and the arts. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com forward slash podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. Now here's your host, Brian Brodor. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Stephanie Willoughby. I wanted to ask you about the process of everything. You do it by yourself, and how do you manage that with having a family? Yes, so I do do everything by myself, and I manage it. I think I'm doing okay. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I Because I've always been freelance, I've always worked for myself and with myself and in a studio alone for the most part. And now I have a few people, like if I'm making a film about a family, I have an editor now that handles that for me, and I just do the watch downs, and I kind of give her free range to kind of figure out what that should be. So that is one person that I rely heavily on for the family films because I don't edit those myself anymore. I just direct them, so to speak. But as far as the photography stuff goes, that's all on me. And I think that there are companies that you can send things out. They will edit and they'll try to match your style. And I know a lot of photographers use Photoshop actions that maybe they love from a different photographer. They want that look, whatever that look is to them, be it overexposed, underexposed, autumn colors, gold color. Like there's so many options. I don't edit with actions. I edit every single one of them by hand because to me, that's the artistry of it. That's the creative part. And that's the thing that I have the control over. So for that purpose, I don't think that every single one of my shots or sessions looks exactly the same, but I prefer it like that because each one of my clients isn't the same. So I wouldn't want them to all have that same thing. As far as the motherhood aspect goes of it, that is challenging. (laughs) And I have three kids. They are eight, six, and three. My baby has a form of mild cerebral palsy and some other special needs, some learning disorders. And when Little Love Stories was taking off, Layton, who is my little one, we were in and out of the hospital constantly with her. She was not sick, but we had to see geneticist and we had to see her neurologist and we had to see a whole team of other doctors because for a really long time she couldn't move. She was like a bug on her back and we didn't know what was wrong and she was in early intervention and she had all these services. And so my life really became constantly managing these service providers that were coming in and out of our home. And I also had this business that was starting to really pick up steam. And I, because I also photograph newborns, I'm often on call. And so when those babies come, I have a very short window to get them posed and photographed. So the motherhood part of it, once Lady came along, actually revved up quite a bit because that meant putting what I needed to do for the business in one container in my brain and then putting Leighton and her needs in another and then the other two in another. And our family life was really stressed when you we couldn't figure out what had happened or what was wrong with Leighton. And then in time, you know, she got 
certain diagnoses. And she's a wonderfully sweet and kind and connected person. She's she's this little light. And so at some point I stopped feeling sorry for her and everything that she was going through. And I started thinking, this is her journey. And in part, it's mine because I have to guide her through it. And that really started to marry my photography with the emotional connection because I realized that it wasn't always going to be like this, right? She's not always going to be little. And even though she was having a hard time as a baby, it was worth documenting and it was worth being able to look back and say like, okay, for her first birthday session, no, we didn't do a cake smash because she couldn't sit up. I laid her down on a blanket and I smeared cake all over her face and I gave her a cupcake and she ate it laying down, you know? So it's the power of just being able to change when that's necessary. And I think like marrying motherhood and a business is always going to be hard, no matter if you have completely healthy functioning children, because no matter what, at three o'clock, every single one of those kids is going to come home and they don't care what you promise to deliver to whom it's their turn and it's their time and dinner's got to be made and there's no help walking through the door. So that's on me. And part of what has been really helpful is that my studio is in my home. We bought a house a couple of years ago, right after Leighton got diagnosed, because I realized I could not move out of the house. Like I couldn't have a studio on Main Street somewhere because I could not leave Leighton. She needed these services. So we bought a different house that had a separate entrance for the studio and it has been perfect and it has been wonderful. And now I'm getting ready to move and move on to Main Street because Leighton is doing better now. But for a really long time, I had to learn how to manage just having a kid with special needs and having the demands of motherhood and my business. But it was really helpful to have that studio in our house because when they would go to sleep, I would edit. I wake up every morning of my life at 4.30 and I get coffee and I start editing and they're not up until seven. And then now they like catch the bus or they get dropped off at school. And I have until 11.30 because that's when the baby comes back and I do the rest of my work then. She eats, put her down for a nap. I do the rest of my work then, do the mommy thing until they're asleep at about nine and then go back to work. But I've been doing it for so long at this point that I'm not sure I can function any other way. And I really don't mind. I like the quiet times. I I love getting up early, but it's getting a little bit easier as they get older. But it was nearly impossible when they were little. I mean, that was like, I think I still have some post-traumatic stress disorder from that it was hard it was really really hard you know so tying all that together Mm -hmm. owning your own business and being a woman how is that has that caused any challenges for you have you felt that everyone was open like have you felt like a community yeah you know it's interesting I think I've come to life in like a really pivotal part of history when I was growing up Obviously, there was no Me Too movement and there was no like feminism was a thing. Gloria Steinem was a thing. You kind of read about it in books, but you didn't necessarily see it in action. And I remember being at NYU and my mom telling me that I needed to go sit on the steps at Stern Business School and see if I could find a man. (laughs) She was like, this will be great. You should just go there, sit there. Someone will come and, you know, take you essentially like off our hands. I mean, I don't think she meant it quite that. My mom's Southern and 
she's blunt. Um, but I remember thinking like, I don't want to marry somebody just because they went to business school. Like I'm capable of doing more than that. But, you know, not to throw my mom under the bus, but really that's not that long ago. And that was the thinking was like, oh, this is great. You can do this sort of artsy thing if you want. And then you'll find someone who will provide like health insurance and a good life. It's still happening it's, today. It is still that happening. Is still a mindset. It is still a mindset. It was not my mindset. And also it's so interesting because I think like you had this really headstrong kid that was going to New York and you really thought I was going to be the person that turned around and like married for money or, you know, not, and it's not even really money. It's, it's more like stability and security. But it's also a reflection on non-independence in a way. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, that can be dissonant. You know, mm -hmm. you could feel that as a disconnect from your mom. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go there, but that lives there a little bit too. Oh, sure. That you were looking towards NYU and your career and this path. Clearly you were passionate about, you felt a calling for right. And built into that is an independence. A hundred percent, yes. I'm resonating with right. that. I understand that. But that connects back to your question, Kayla, about her drive to entrepreneurism and being a business owner and, and a creative at the same time, yeah. which is difficult. So I yeah. interrupted. I'm sorry. No, you did please, not. That, please go that's ahead. such a great point. And that's exactly how I felt and still feel. And to her great credit, I have watched my mom over the last few years who's joined in on the Women's March. And look, it takes a lot to change our minds as humans. You know, I mean, you can know something might be the wave of the future. That doesn't mean you're ready to sign on to it. So I think it really for my mom and for many, many others, it's taken seeing women all over the world, and particularly in this country, develop themselves and have confidence enough in themselves to be like, I'm going to just try it. And I'm headstrong enough to do it. And I don't know, I have to say, Kayla, I have never spent much time thinking about what someone else might think of me. And I think that that might be the difference between me and many other people. I'm just the type of person, if I have an idea and I want to try it, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to fail at it. I have confidence that I'm smart enough to get the things done that I want to get done. And I'm a people person and I really enjoy relating to people. I really love listening to their stories and knowing who they are and where they come from. And I think that the industry that I chose to go into and the business I chose to run was perfect because... I have the ability to relate to other families because I am a person with a family. You know, I am a mom and I am a wife and I'm also a business owner. And I do have situations that didn't always turn out perfect. And I've got kids that aren't perfect. They're perfectly imperfect. And I think all of those things make me a better person, but also a stronger businesswoman just because... I don't have any really set preconceived notion of what it's supposed to be. I just have what I'd like to see it become. So just keeping that in mind, I just wake up every day like, well, let's just try this. Let's see what happens. And it's okay with me if it doesn't always work out. You know, I remember a time I wanted to be in the delivery room when people had their babies. I wanted to be that type of photographer, birth photographer. And then I really realized very quickly, actually, someone asked me to edit it's a, I won't go into the whole story, but they asked me to edit some photos for them. And I was like, oh, no, I am not good with like blood. This is not going to work out. You know, <laughs> I thought, 
emotionally, I thought, oh, well, this would be great. I'd be there at the moment of life. Those weren't your photos. They were not my photos. They were someone else's. And I was like, no, this is not for everybody. New. So, you know, I've gone to some places. I've tried some roads that it wasn't for me. And that's okay. I'm really happy with where I'm at and how far it's come. But I also have this drive in me that wants to see more. And I actually, I mean, maybe it's really naive, but I do think that I can sort of be this voice of of everyone if I just try to give everyone else their voice. So that's just my driving force at this point is like, let's just see how much good stuff we can put into the universe. And let's see how well it makes other people feel. And let's give them a spotlight and like, you know, let's tell their stories. And let's see if I can do that through photography and, you know, some video work, like maybe I can. And I don't know. I think that there's probably so many women like me and even much more headstrong and who do really cool things. I know so many moms who work for these companies and now they're like the head of HR for these big firms in New York and they do these really cool things and they're accountants and they're in places that I remember meeting like a female architect. I was like, I there weren't such thing as female architects before. I mean, that sounds really silly, but you know, now we've got women who run their own firms and I just think it's like the most amazing thing. So I just kind of come at it from a standpoint of like, yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I'm a minority woman with a business. And isn't that amazing? And what a gift and what a great journey I got to be on. So I don't take it for granted at all. But I also just don't give it much thought in terms of like how that could stop me. But I also don't affiliate with too many people who I think would (laughs) want to stop it. So I just kind of move on if it's not the right fit. But yeah, I feel everything out. I mean, like everything and just kind of like read what's going on there and then just kind of go ahead. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. For more information, visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. Staying on the entrepreneurism Mm -hmm. topic. I want to ask you about risk, and that's such a businessy term, but I usually connect that to how entrepreneurs and business owners, and I, I relate to your story quite a bit about kind of following a particular gravity or following a path because you feel like this is where I need to go, and that's part of my story in running my shop and my team. But I'm fascinated to hear from entrepreneurs and business owners about how they've dealt with fear, how they've dealt with the unknown and risk. I mean, you're talking about three kids and your family life, your your life, and then your business and how they intertwine. How have you dealt with that? I mean, you just described quite a juggle, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we all have our own juggles, right? But, mm. you know, you have quite a juggle and the three kids and developing a career and following this path of your photography, little love stories and beyond. Mm. But through that, you've bumped up against, well, what if, right? Or bumped up against, should I do X, Y, Z versus ABC? Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, we could go on. We could probably have an entire yeah. separate podcast on fear. <laughs> yeah, um, which maybe we should. <laughs> maybe I mean, it's a should. huge topic. To. It is a huge topic. And it's actually the only four-letter word that I consider a curse word. And I curse a lot. I do. Uh, from mouth like a sailor. It's the uh, southern part of me, I guess, from southern roots. But in any case... I actually, yes, there's plenty of risks that come with starting your own business. I think that I was just too naive when I started this journey to know what all those risks were. Yes, I had little kids, but I just sort of thought, like, I'm not going to let us fail. That's all I could think. I have an exceptional support network, and my husband, he's a really positive and just centered person. And he's very calm and he's very connected and he's spiritual and he's a really wonderful person. And I know he's going to listen to this and <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, is that right? Um, but well, yes, he was he on the phone right, telling you about the totally. afterlife. He was telling so, me about the afterlife. Okay. So I'll give him credit for that. Right. Um, but like in the very beginning, when the kids were very small and I stopped working in the TV world, I mean, obviously, that's a pretty large chunk of yeah. our income gone. Huge jump. Yeah. Right. That's a huge jump. And I remember just being like, I don't want to leave her talking about Grace and my oldest. And he was like, well, I don't want you to have to leave her either. But we are in a two-income world, and we live in Brooklyn, and this is the life we've chosen. And he was very instrumental in just being like, I bet if you try, you'll figure it out. And he just put all this faith in me that, like, I would not let our family down. And he didn't really say it. It wasn't a conversation that we had. It was more like me being like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm never home. I miss my baby. And I'll figure out something. And him being like, okay. And that's all it was. And for years, it was feast or famine. And it really wasn't until almost the last two or three years where I finally felt like we had found our sea legs and like our footing. Mm -hmm. But there were plenty of times in the beginning where it would be like the 25th of the month. Matt didn't get paid till the 30th. And we had zero dollars to our name. Like, Nobody move. I felt like a prisoner. Like I was like afraid to go to the store because I didn't want to like run out of gas. Like legit, it was that yeah, serious. Yeah. And it's interesting because we live in a lovely neighborhood and we at the time had a beautiful home in that neighborhood. And I think from the outside looking in, it probably seemed like we had our lives together. But I was struggling because every time like and Brian, you know how expensive it is to run and operate anything mm. regarding film and television, anything, and audio and visual, it's expensive. Equipment is expensive. The equipment that I use for my photography business is ridiculously expensive. And I remember a friend of ours saying, like, of all the businesses, you chose this one. This is the most <laughs> expensive startup. And I was like, but it's just me. Like, it wasn't like we had to pay an employee, you know, but you're talking about like three and $5,000 bodies for cameras. That's sure. not including the lens. And that's or not the flash. optional. And it's, it's not optional, right? This equipment. is what, right, exactly. Yeah. We have far surpassed our $100 kit lens at this point. <laughs> so in the beginning, it was really, really hard, but I just, all I know is for me, it was I cannot let down Matt and I cannot let down these kids and I will not fail at this. And that was my driving force. And yes, there's fear that comes with that. But I have this thing that I do and I don't know if it works for everybody. But if there is a fear that comes up in my mind, like 
at any given point in a given day, I will just go, oh, we can't think about that right now. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, in five minutes, when you finish this task, whatever it is, like doing the dishes or you edit this this uh, gallery, if you get that out, I'll let you think about it then. And then five minutes comes and they're like, oh, that's unfortunate. We got to pick the kids up from school. I'll tell you what, when you lay down tonight, I just never let it come. I just keep reminding myself I can think about it later. Is that denial or prioritizing? I think it's... I don't know why it works for me, but yeah. I think it's prioritizing. I now I go running in the morning. Uh, so sometimes I can let things kind of flow in and out yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is like, even if something's really, really scary, we're going to do it scared. And that's just what I say to myself, right, you know, right. back to my point of the question, right? Which is going headfirst into that. Yes. You know, that's the essence of my question. Yeah. You know? Because you might be afraid of it. It may be a risk, but you plow into it anyway. There's no alternative, yeah. you know, and there's no parachute. I don't have, like, a backup plan. I don't have a trust. Right. No one else is going to feed these children. I mean, they're really cute, but no one has asked me to keep them once, you know. So <laughs> this is this is what I chose to do. And I don't want to ever look back. And I don't want, as my kids get older and they look back on the scope of our lives, I don't want them to look at me and... And ever think like I didn't do something out of fear. I can have not done it because it wasn't the right timing or because we didn't have enough money to do it at that time or whatever the case may be. But if it's because like, well, I didn't want to embarrass myself or I didn't try, like that's a really stupid decision. That's not okay. And I wouldn't let them do that. Where I wouldn't do you let get them that not from? try. Where is that from your your mom or I dad? No, I do not know. I don't yeah. know if I'm just crazy <laughs> or oh, well. You know? I, I, I want to take a little left turn. You brought up this point of sort of. I will put it inelegantly, you know, kind of like, well, you didn't know enough to know that you were kind of yeah. going down the road. And I, I relate to that. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I want to ask you the question this way. Okay. Now that you're down the road in your process as a business owner, as a creative person that's matured, you're down the road a little bit. Mm -hmm. Give me an example of something that you know now that you didn't know that you didn't know. Okay. You know right. what I mean? Yes. Give me an example of that. I didn't know, oh, there's so many things I didn't know, but I did not know about like overhead, for instance. It did not occur to me that I would need insurance for my business. This sounds really stupid, but when you are working with newborns, anything could happen, right? Yeah. I am responsible for this teeny tiny lives. And a lot of times they're preemies or, you know, they've got acid reflux or other really, really crucial medical things and I've got my hands on them. And I did not know that, you know, I would need like a $2 million policy to cover my own rear end. God forbid something happen. And so of course, there's a million provisions put in place. And I would never, ever, ever, ever let go of those babies. I, I you know, sacrifice my own life first. But I didn't know that that was something that I would need. I also didn't, like, once we had the third kid and I'm on my own working, you know, my husband had a health scare not too long ago, and I thought, what are we going to do? Like, what if something happens to him, and then now I'm going to be responsible for all the insurance? Obviously, like, if something happened to him, I'd be emotional and I'd be a disaster, um, and there's all that. But, like, there's the part of it that's also just like, okay, we have a mortgage, we have a car, we've got you know, college coming up for these kids. We've got a million and a half other things. And we met with our accountant not too long ago, and we were just talking about how much I pay in, like, self, 
tax essentially for working for myself, which I did not. Self-employment tax. Self-employment tax is a thing. And I did not know I was paying that out. And our household, it it works out a little bit differently because my husband does have a very unique job in his own right, but he's very. uh, not self-employed? He is not. No, my husband works for the, yeah, Yeah. no, he works for the New York City Department of Education. Okay, right. Um, Which comes with benefits. That comes with benefits. My wife, uh, a former teacher, I know all about that. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's a good thing to have if you're going to start a business is if you both have a business, I think it would be really stressful. But for us, Matt has a job that he loves and gets up singing to go to work every day, just absolutely enjoys his work. And anyway, so I did not know that I was paying, you know, like 40% of my income out to the the government. I didn't know that. And had I known that when I was getting ready to start this business, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have gone forward. I would have thought, oh, well, that's quite a bit. And what if I never make enough money to make that worth it? And, Hmm. you know, I would have like known all these other factors that come into it. Um, But I don't know. I just didn't know. So I just kind of forged ahead. And now it's like way too late to turn around. And I wouldn't. And I don't know another way to work. I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. You do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not turning the truck around. No No way. Um, Speaking of accounting, I'll share a brief story that involves Kayla. And this is a business perspective thing. Sure. You put me in front of a spreadsheet. Now, look, I can operate Excel, and that's fine. And I struggled. I'm not sure I'll use the word struggle, but I tried really hard Mm -hmm. to work with accounting programs, and I worked hard to understand those principles because I came out of a music education. Mm. They're not exactly teaching you QuickBooks at Berkeley College of Music, (laughs) at least not when I was there. And, you know, it was a real uphill battle, and that became, in my business experience, one of those things that, like, oh, I didn't realize how much I really didn't know. As much Mm. as I thought I might know an inkling of this, I really didn't. And what was interesting was when Kayla came into the business, her natural abilities, and I honestly, I've never even asked you, I think I know the answer, but you never studied accounting or any of that stuff at school. No. I mean, you have a film and TV background. I actually failed out of my math class in college. You never told me that. And I had to retake it again. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm just, I'm not good at math. Oh, so but if I'm I great. had known, Stephanie, if I had known that. But I'm great at budgeting. But see, this is the and thing. And organizing. Yes. But I always tell people on day one of her coming in mm. and embracing those things, that to me, I just said, wow, I don't have to deal with this. And I, I really stink at doing all this stuff. I don't want to say stink. It was a struggle. It was yeah. hard. And she on day one came in. And was a natural, I mean, I perceived it as, wow, she's a natural at this. But she was that puzzle fit, right? And so sort of what was a struggle for me was a puzzle fit for her to take over and was such a one plus one equals three. That's why we always say that around here. (laughs) So I'm just bringing all of that full circle. You know, that's one of those things like, wow, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And it happens. And then you say, oh, wow, there's this scenario. This is all fascinating. We could go on for a couple more podcasts, I think. I think so. Kayla, would you like to wrap things up? I wanted to talk about some of like your recent publications and awards that I saw. Because, oh, I mean, so nice. you're pretty new, yeah. right? And it's How many years has Little Love Stories? Yeah, so Little Love Stories has been around for the last four years. I used to work under a different name and title, um, my production company. But it switched over when that's basically all I did um, was tell Little Love Stories. So, yes, recently this year we got voted, or I guess I got voted. I always say we. Like I'm giving credit to other people. I'm working on that. Yeah. (laughs) I was voted a top 10 photographer in the world. 
um, by Shoot and Share. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> That's yeah, great. it was great. Um, it was in the category of emotion and joy. So that makes me super happy because that's what I'm all about. Yeah. And it also restores my faith some in like, humanity as a whole because I was kind of cynical, like, I don't know. I mean, is this really a thing? And then it, it was. It turned out to be a really great thing. So I was super excited to receive that award. And as far as publications go, I now publish my own work to a certain extent. And I also am published in Blami, which is Beauty and Lifestyle Mommy magazine. And I have been published in a couple others like Parents and, and all of those good things. And it's been really wonderful. It's It's been a great journey. I'm always super surprised when you get these awards or, you know, a publication comes and picks you up. I have been approached by many, many different affiliate partners. So I partner with Artsy Couture. And so now my photos are the photos that end up in the frames, of course, with the family's permissions, which is really cool. And that's just a neat thing to see. So when people are doing their holiday car shopping or their newborn, you know, announcements and stuff, sometimes those are my photos. And that's a really beautiful feeling because you feel like, okay, I, I made the ideal and I have some influence over that ideal. And it's really great, too, because, of course, being in northern New Jersey, all of my clients are a million different ethnicities, come from a lot of different cultures, and you don't always see that represented. So to be in a position where I can sort of say, like, let's represent a little bit more of this culture, not by literally saying that, just by those are the photos that I submit, and then that's what gets published or that's what gets put in those frames. And I appreciate that. And I feel like it's a really teeny tiny thing, but it's a little bit of movement. So, yeah, it's been a great year. It's been a great couple of years. And, yeah, I'm really proud of how far I've come with Little Love Stories. It's It's been it's it feels really rewarding. Yeah, it feels big now. <laughs> it's been great following you along oh, on social media and seeing you. your journey. And the family grow, and yeah. It's, it's What's awesome. the future hold? What's next? Yes. So now I am looking to find a space, like a, a Main Street type space. I think it's time I get to move on. I need a bigger studio. I want to do the photography that is a little bit, not that what I've been doing is small by any stretch, but when I say bigger, I mean like literally bigger, like a bigger space so that I can um, spread out a little bit more and do the kind of work that I would like to do, more fine art photography and, and such. And I also want to use that space to do a little bit more TV projects that I've been thinking about. And I really just want to stretch my wings a little bit. I have this goal of becoming famous in New Jersey. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> and uh, it's really just, I don't literally mean me famous, but I do mean my work famous. And I want to represent the state of New Jersey in a really positive light and not like an MTV type of light. <laughs> right. And I want to represent all of those different cultures. And I want to share what I think we all know. Actually, Kayla and I were talking before the program about her sister living in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And I was saying what a cool city that is. But I could never leave 
New Jersey. And part of that is really just, I feel like no matter where you are, you're about 30 minutes from the city and 30 minutes from the ocean. And being a kid from the Midwest, like I can tell you that's not a thing anywhere else. <laughs> um, and I don't think, like I'm addicted to the energy of that. You know, I love the farms of Sussex County and I love obviously everything on the shore. And I love the city and I love that I can be in any of those in a given week. And I very often am. So I want to start spreading my wings a little bit more and representing those different communities that I have the opportunity to go to and working with clients in those places. And I'm willing to travel for it. But yeah, I just want to keep telling stories and good stories and positive stories. And I want to keep working on everybody feeling connected to one another. So I feel like that that's my purpose and and that's what I'm going to try to pursue. Well, it was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you, guys. Have to do this again soon. Yeah, yeah thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, there may so be fun. a round two in our future. Oh, that's we got awesome. a lot more we could cover. And <laughs> it's been great having you here. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com and by Tap Into TV. Original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to associate producer Morgan Taylor, audio engineer J.P. Conk, senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thank you for listening.